podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No, I didn't. Um, and you've not suffered on Matt Turner like many of the rest of us, no? Oh, yeah, of course I had Turner, didn't I? <laughs> oh, you have suffered. You're welcome for him, by the way. You know, Dear, that was a nice little present Arsenal <laughs> gave to you. Hello everybody, welcome to a Monday Planet FPL clash of the correspondents. My name's James and on our second of two free COTCs ahead of next Tuesday's Game Week 22 deadline, I've got two teams in red. One might be feeling a bit blue at the moment though. Let me introduce you to our Night in the Forest correspondent, Mark Southern. Zoe, Mark? I'm good, James. Yeah, um, I, we, you just reminded me there's a lot to talk about, lots of catch up on, which means that uh, you've given me license to jabber, which is never good. No, maybe not. Say some of it from Black Box, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so we can uh, at least get a few words in from an Arsenal correspondent, Adam Pritchard. How are you, Adam? I'm just delighted you're allowing me a few words. I'm surprised <laughs> you're giving me that courtesy. Really. That's it. If, I mean, to be honest, I'm going to ask Mark about PSR now, so you can probably go if you want. I'll go get a cup of tea, guys. <laughs> yeah, do so, mate. Mark, um, that's a rough bit of news over the last week or so, and obviously potential incoming points deduction for Forrest. How are you feeling about all of that? Yeah, um, I guess it's been a couple of weeks. It's sunk in now. And like the football's kind of taken over again because that's got to be the focus because we've got to play our way out of it. But I can't, I can't really. Going back to how I felt at the time, incredibly frustrated, quite angry. Um, really, I've said a few times to a few people, we should have been the last club to fall foul of it because it should have been so bloody obvious. Um, so we should have been right on top of it. I mean, it's fair enough if it creeps up on you. Well, it's not really fair enough then. But for us, it was... It was all something that fans from other clubs were shouting at us when we were signing all those players. And we were told in no uncertain terms, but don't worry, we're on top of it. Um, and then for it to turn out to be not the case and us fall out foul of it is um, is hard to accept. It's hard to accept that, you know, the club announced that they're going to get an expert in to help us get through it. What about getting an expert in to stop us getting into it in the first place? Because that surely would have been the obvious thing to do. If you're going to sign that many players, be right on top of it, be buttoned up to the extreme on it. Right. So I don't think we can use the excuse that we've stumbled into it. I can only think it's one of two things. One, a deal didn't go through, or one or two deals didn't go through that were expected to get us out of it earlier. Or two, we were just arrogant enough to think we'd be well clear and we could take it and absorb it and we'd take it on the chin. Where's where's the anger for you then? Is it with the club then? Yeah, of course, because I think it was so blindingly obvious that we could fall foul of it. So therefore, do everything you can to make sure we don't. And now we're in a situation where we're in we're going to likely be dragged into the relegation zone if it happens before the end of the season. I don't know how it's going to go. I I mean I think the club, if they're wise now, would accept the penalty before the end, so we know what we're up against. Because if we leave it to the end of the season. It's, that seems like a ridiculous situation. So it's it's very difficult for Nuno and the players. They've reacted well. I don't see any major impact on what I've seen from the performances so far. I think it's got to them yet, but the penalty hasn't arrived yet and the penalty might not arrive to the end of the season. I Yeah, I'm very frustrated because I think it was so... Like, I mean, I'm sure Adam was watching a sign of those players and like any, any supporter of other clubs would have gone, well, they're, if they're not careful, they're going to fall foul of... 
financial fair play. And it was so obvious to everybody in and outside the club. So why weren't we right on top of it? Why weren't we doing everything we can to prevent it? Um, I don't know if we're ever going to get an explanation as to that, what happened there. Well, um, the mitigating that they're, they're claiming a little bit is, is the Brennan Johnson transfer, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, but then then you've got to weigh up. Like, do you, what's it worth? <laughs> do you, You've got to be talking to the Premier League at that point and going, right, if we do delay, do we trip FFP, yes or no? And if we do, we've got to weigh up, do we sell early to Brentford and get the money in and avoid the points deduction? Or do we hold on for a fee from Spurs, which might have been greater, which surely wasn't certain at that point. And it, it kind of makes sense as to why Brentford kept coming back. Because if you remember during that phase, they kept coming back with bids of around 30, 25, 30, 35. And I was thinking, why are they, why are they so persistent with a bid that we're never going to accept? Because it's obvious we wanted 40 plus. It makes me think that Brentford knew something, that Brentford, there was some kind of communication going on and Brentford knew that they could come in with a low ball offer and probably get it because we were trying to avoid FFP. I, maybe that was going on there because I don't, I never understood at the time why Brentford kept coming back time and time again and why they didn't switch their target to another player given that they'd lost Tony. So I was, that kind of makes sense now. So I, obviously someone at the club thought, no, we're going to hold on for the extra money. That's going to be worth it. If we take a pen, penalty of points, we'll be well clear of relegation anyway. So it'll be fine. Um, I don't know. It, but you've got to think that due diligence wasn't done or some process failed for us to fall into that the way we did when the supporters were told no we're on top of it we're going to avoid it which is what nicholas randall said so yeah it's it, it's quite embarrassing to be honest because other fans of other clubs people like richard keys just look at it and went well i told you so and it's like oh, that's yeah. an awful position to be in mate <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> it be, really is bad at the mercy of richard keys no one wants to be in that situation adam what's your thoughts on um Forest and, and Everton from a, a neutral perspective. How, how are you feeling about the potential point deductions for these clubs? Um, it's hard to say, it's sort of a little bit like Mark has already illustrated, it's hard to say it's unfair because they have broken rules and it's like the rules are in place. I honestly think probably both Forest and Everton just didn't think that if they were going to be punished, I don't think they thought it was going to be a points deduction. And even then, I doubt they thought, at least in Everton's case, it was going to be 10 points. Who knows what kind of forests will be, but that kind of uh, yardstick is there. So I think that's what a lot of people are already expecting. Um, yeah, I honestly think it was more um, a combination of naivety and arrogance that they just didn't think there was actually going to be a points deduction. And it's... I think from that perspective, I do feel, I feel obviously feel sorry for the fans because it's, they're at the whims of uh, kind of club board members and ownership that are oftentimes kind of dismissive of fans' opinions in the first place or kind of their perspectives in the first place. And then it's their arrogance and kind of negligence that has uh, gotten them in a really, really difficult situation. And I suppose for Everton, there's the potential of two points deductions, which is obviously massive and terrible. But with the first one, their performances have been good enough that they're kind of not clear of relegation, but they are sort of at least in a good position to put up a fight. You say, if you look at Forest and they get a 10-point deduction now, they are in serious, serious trouble. And obviously, you can't kind of factor that in when you make the decision to 
to hand out the punishment it should be the same regardless if if you're in 20th or if you're in like second it it shouldn't make any difference but i think that kind of adds uh an extra element of sympathy um from my perspective as as a neutral in that situation yeah i mean everton would be 12th without the points deduction mark you're obviously four points clear of of luton as it stands were a 10 point deduction to come in there's nothing to say that it it would happen and be the same as ever. And that would obviously put you joint bottom with Sheffield United at the moment. Would that yeah, be sort of writing on, on the wall if it's that bad, is it? If it's 10, we're gone. Um, we're not expecting it to be 10, but yeah. But who's, who's to know? I mean, I think the it's interesting. The Premier League are getting criticism. It's under scrutiny. Richard Masters is, you know, is being asked a lot of awkward questions. I think that might be in our favour a little bit because if they if they whack us with ten, that's just going to heighten that even more. But it, 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 they'll say it's not them, right? It's the independent commission, or yeah, no, absolutely. Make but... make the, the the final decision from from that perspective. It's a bit of a shame as well because obviously Nuno come in, you had these. I was going to say two remarkable results, but certainly win at St James's was was a massive shock, really, particularly as you went behind in the game, then beat United. I think everyone oh, manager bounce that will be okay, and then this news. Just comes and slaps you in the in the face. Basically, I agree with what Adam said. Massive sympathy with the with the fans of Forest, but little sympathy with the club. I've, I think one difference between you and Everton, though, might be to say, without the the pouring of money from your owner in the first place, maybe you wouldn't even be in the Premier League. Mm. Is it fair to look at it in that perspective as well, rather really? than just rather than just put all the blame there? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's fair enough. The investment's been huge, and and he's 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 got us where we are now. But having taken, having invested so much and having got us to that position for the first time in 23 years, it's got to be so precious that you do everything you can to hold on to it. And maybe that is the case, but we'll know, you know, we don't see what goes on behind the scenes, right? We don't, we can only speculate as to how this has occurred. And you've got to presume that, that there's been some, some you know, mismanagement of some description or arrogance, like Adam said. Um, so you can't, help but be a little bit frustrated and angry at that because what we've worked so hard to get is is now kind of hanging by a thread maybe depends on what that points penalty is um and you're right yeah Nuno had come in and, and suddenly there was a wave of optimism and that's been burst somewhat i i think that i and i've got to be optimistic that the penalty is not as great as that i think our circumstances are different to everton's in that you know, we we missed it by a small margin in terms of time, um, and I'd like to think we were talking to the Premier League through that period. If we knew, you know, yeah, was that Everton like... were claiming that they were though as yeah, well, weren't they? So I know, I know exactly. Um, and I don't know whether you know that means that it has to be ten points because that's gone the way of Everton as well. I don't know what the um, what thresholds are at play here, what the independent committee will look at, um, but. Um, Right now, we're we're concentrating on what's going on the pitch, and and the fate there is is not in our hands anymore, and and that's 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 what the mismanagement, if that's what it is, has got us into. It's got us into a situation now we're not in control really, unless we somehow put a run together of ten wins or something ridiculous like that, and we play our way out of it. But you know, I feel for Nuno as well because I I imagine he would want he asked that question himself when he came in if i was a manager coming into nottingham forest i'd be like where do we stand when it comes to ffp because he would have been looking for how he's been away from yeah. the country for a while isn't he would he would he know i don't know he would have known how many players we signed and surely you know if you're 
you want to ask if you're going to give your future up to a club before you sign the contract, where do we stand on this? I'd like to think he would have asked that. I would have done. I mean, like anyone, anyone from the outside, like I say, look at how many players we signed, probably thought, hmm, I wonder how they're tracking to that. Um, we obviously, as supporters, were wondering that and we were reassured. So it wasn't long between Nuno coming in and the, and the decision. So I do wonder what went on there, whether Nuno did know or he didn't know. Obviously, that's never going to come to the surface either. So it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting time. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall and what went on over those last couple of months, but we'll never really find out, I'm sure. And we've now got to hope that the committee hit us with a penalty that we can absorb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam, do you still feel very much in this title race? I mean, it goes without saying you win your next two, which includes obviously Liverpool, then you'd be at least two points behind them. So it suggests on paper, yes. But uh, I was flagged by this tweet that you put out during the Manchester City's victory at Newcastle about being blissfully unaware and forgetting that Kevin De Bruyne existed. Um, do you feel part of it still or not? Um, part of it, yes. Um, whether I feel... As, well, it's even mad to be in this situation where I'm kind of having that debate in my head because we were top at Christmas. It was all looking sort of so good going into that kind of early mid-December period. And then to have that kind of succession of uh, results where things just didn't kind of fall our way to suddenly now be in this situation where we're level on points with Aston Villa. We're only three points ahead of Spurs, which is only three points ahead of fifth. It's it's quite a bizarre situation to be in. Um, I definitely don't feel nearly as confident as I did that we would challenge. I'm still going to say Man City in my head because in my head they're still the favourites. But I think I might just be more out of. It will be the bookies' favourites still, mate. Yeah, yeah. I I think the last time we spoke, James, I said I probably had us down at sort of like thirty percent ish maybe 40% if I was, if you caught me on a good day, I think I'm probably down to maybe 10% now. I think Liverpool have definitely overtaken us in terms of likelihood of um, of winning the league. And it just comes down to how we cope with the fixture schedule once uh, once the Champions League comes back around. I think that's going to be key, as, as well as obviously the, the Liverpool game in a couple of weeks' time. So has that confidence waned because of the other two teams or because of yourselves? Um, a little bit of both, not necessarily anything to do with Man City. I think more Liverpool, certainly early on in the season, I was more of the mind and probably leaning towards not they're getting lucky, but perhaps their results weren't matched by their performances and perhaps they weren't looking as good necessarily as they kind of have continued to show um, with the wins they've been picking up and, and then yeah and then it just goes down to that kind of what was it, it was a four game period basically where which I suppose you're counting uh, the Aston Villa game in there in terms of league matches where I, I think we should have probably won that game or we certainly did enough to win that game and you it was well the, it, and you played well at Liverpool as well mate ex- exactly it I think it was it was the Aston Villa game, the West Ham game, and then the Liverpool game in the cup where I think people thought this, maybe there is that kind of killer instinct missing in this team. A big part of the narrative last week, we were kind of, or certainly for the first part of the season, how wildly we were overperforming our XG. 
and people were thinking, oh, that's just down to kind of Arsenal's excellent uh, attacking creativity and the fluid nature with which the forwards kind of interchange and all that kind of stuff. And then you're looking at the the Aston Villa game and the West Ham game are the ones that stick out most to me in terms of we are just creating so many chances and there is just something missing. And it's easy to kind of look over at Man City and think, oh, it's a 30-goal-a-season striker that's missing. But I'm almost go on the defensive a little bit when I hear that and say, we in this bad spell, we've been creating so many chances. We've had, I think there was a run of 60 shots where we scored one goal from them. So it's not like there is anything like massively functionally wrong with the team in that period. It's it just feels sort of... Uh, You've elevated yourself to a position where if you now lose three games in a row like you did... Yeah. It's going to be a huge media narrative, you know it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what was so impressive about last season is that when we were good and we had a slip-up, we bounced back straight away. A lot of what happened the season before last oh, where we... You don't want me to talk about April, do you? Well, no, I don't want you to talk about April. That's why I said the, the part where we were good. I'd left out that kind of last uh, couple good of man. months. But we like So when we lost away at Man United, we we bounce back well there is just an example um whereas the season before when we lost a game we would do what we did in april we would get in a rut and we would look like what is this team that i'm watching and so i think a lot of arsenal fans got into that mindset of like all oh, right we're back to this arsenal where we lose a game and then that's it we don't look like we'll ever pick up three points again um so i think that period definitely dented a lot of people's confidence. And I think, back to your original question, I think it was more Arsenal's performances necessarily than Liverpool um, or City that had the biggest impact on my kind of confidence of winning the league. Yeah, I take it, therefore, beating Palace 5-0 has just alleviated everything. You feel better about things. <laughs> I feel I feel better. But, I mean, to be honest, uh, and I don't know if you two watched the game, but, like, that first half, it wasn't exactly like scintillating open play. It wasn't a five. I mean, despite how bad Palace were, it wasn't a five it, nil. It wasn't a five nil at all. There were, we didn't create hugely from open play in the first half. Um, obviously, sort of getting two set piece goals is is great, and that's something very important to have, uh, kind of in your locker. And then the last two goals, we kind of only really scored because Palace, for once in the game, actually pushed up, and Martinelli was just able to break beyond the defensive line which is an issue we've had all season in that he hasn't really been able to to do that too much apart from in that Villa game that we referenced earlier where he probably could have also scored two goals so I think that kind of late flurry put a lot of gloss on the scoreline um, and Palace are in the kind of form and uh, there's the kind of mood music around the club where I think I would expect us to beat them pretty handily anyway Palace um, are in the sort of form that if other teams weren't getting points deductions, they'd be right in the shit. Yeah, yeah. Roy Hodgson is very thankful. Although I get the kind of impression that he doesn't really care about whether he gets sacked or not um, sometimes, but it's a discussion for another day. Um, so, yeah, I think it definitely was nice to come back to a win. That's obviously always what you want to do after having a long break um, and having the string of sort of less than great results that we've had. But it wasn't like me kind of rubbing my palms together and thinking oh, we're back in this. This is a easy stroll to the title now. Mark, 
How do you see it as a neutral? They're still in the title race, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think it's. Um, I think Martinelli. Yeah, I think Adam's right there. That's been a factor. He hasn't been as. Um, certainly, he hasn't been a, a major contributor to the attack. Um, and Odegaard's role, he's been flitting in and out as a kind of a goal threat as a factor. I mean, I've, I'm looking at it purely as an FBL point of view, and really, I've held Saka, but I haven't really been tempted to look elsewhere across that Arsenal midfield. Whereas last season, it was like, well perhaps we want two of these and perhaps it's Odegaard and Saka or Martinelli and Saka. It's not been the case this season because they've, they've never looked quite as fluid, I would say. Um, and, you know, open play XG, Arsenal are like fifth or sixth. They're not in the top two or three. There are teams above them. Spurs are above them, I think. Newcastle maybe, Villa certainly are. So it they have they've done enough to stay in the title race, but... I've never looked at them and thought, I want to invest heavily in that attack beyond Saka. And even Saka now, obviously a lot of people talking about his output in FBL terms. Um, his X, XGI is still really strong. He's second to Salah amongst midfielders, so he's still producing numbers. But he does. there's, there's something missing from his game, or maybe it's just the ball hasn't fallen for him at the right times. Maybe, But it, just, it feels like he's not quite as involved in terms of goal threat as he has been in other times so I think he's going for a period where it's not working out for him it's not falling in the right places so you need Martinelli back firing um, and Odegaard doing what he did for a lot of last season which has become a major goal threat that other, the teams have to worry about as well I guess that comes from the changes in midfield you know with Rice arriving and Shaka leaving and Zaka was a key player last year so there has been change there has been a, a different way of playing maybe and that's taken time to adjust but, I, I mean, they're, they're well and truly still in it. I think that you look at the fixtures they've got left, City away and the Liverpool game are obviously going to be the the, the key fixtures. Um, I think they've got Spurs to play as well. But those games are so important. If you get results in them, if you turn Liverpool over at home after us, then then you're very much still in it. Yeah, I suppose the flip would be, Adam, if, if you did go to Forest and get B, and it's going to be, I presume, Mark, a, a, very, a very volatile atmosphere considering it will be your your first home game since these charges, won't it? If you if you get beat there and then lose at home to Liverpool, then you're out of it, aren't you? Is, is to flip it on its head, Adam. Yeah, yeah, no. I I I definitely say that. And I'm wary of kind of looking forward too many games because I think we were in a not a similar situation, but we were in a situation where I was speaking to you last season, James, and I think it was ahead of the Southampton game, possibly. And the City game was the one after that. And obviously that was where we slipped up and uh, managed to scramble a draw at home. So I think I've kind of got that in the back of my mind, thinking it's important, especially when we're trying to claw ground back uh, over Liverpool in the form they're, they're looking like they're in, just that we kind of take each game as it comes and kind of add those uh, add those three points one at a time. Did you captain Saka this week, Adam? Uh, no, no, I captain Jota instead. Cut this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it. Just drop the bums in, get your coat, yeah, and do one, mate. <laughs> I just just remind everybody as well for tomorrow's Planet FPL podcast that Sidge was intending to do that as well, and he not missed the deadline. Mark, I'm going to guess you, Captain Saka. Of course, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, for me, it was. I I did think Arsenal win the game comfortably because of. Palace is state they're not in a great shape at the moment. Uh, so I did. Well, we weren't wrong, were we? 
No, so the goals were there. And it was frustrating, a 5-0, nothing for Saka. I mean, he nearly got the assist, I guess, if it had gone to Gabriel. But, he, yeah, I mean, when I watch him, he obviously is still heavily involved. And and those goals, those two for Martelli, they could have broken the other flank and it could have been Saka, right? So, you know, I'm not, I'm not losing the faith of him yet. But obviously at a time when we're looking at our midfield with Salah not in our teams at the moment and those who've sold Salah, Saka could be one that people lose to get him back. Um, I think I'm holding though because I, 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 I love him as a player. I think Arsenal is still very much in it and I still think he's central to everything they do. Um, so, And I think I want one Arsenal attacker because I do think that they'll be they'll start scoring goals more freely towards the end of the season. I think that will come. The rhythm will come. So I'm holding at the moment. It'll become a harder sell if Chelsea lose on Friday night. Ironically, have you have you got him, Adam, or, or just don't own? No, oh, no, yeah, I've got I've got Saka and uh, so, so what made you not do it? Because obviously the majority did. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's the kind of um, fan lens on things, but just the fact that we hadn't been finding that finishing touch in in recent games, and obviously we'd had the kind of big. Uh, extended break so it, it was always going to be hard to tell but I think that combined with the fact that certainly at least for my mind compared to the winger on the opposite flank whether it be like Trossard or Martinelli I think Saka has a tendency to come a little bit deeper to try and get involved in play more whereas the other winger Martinelli tends to kind of stay on the last shoulder and try and run in behind Trossard kind of tries to come inside a little bit a bit more and make those almost center forward like runs at times. I think Saka is just a more multifaceted player than both of them. So even though he was he was on set pieces and if you had told me Arsenal were going to score two goals from set pieces, I probably would have captained Saka. Um I think it was just those factors and yeah that that general uh, profligacy in front of goal from Arsenal in general that that made me not not really feel too confident. Is it fair to say, though, that since the Manchester City game, he's not been hitting the heights that he was prior? And this, every time we speak, we keep talking about give the kid a break. And obviously, he's just had one, in fairness, as, as the rest of the team. But is that part of the problem? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, but I think much like the wider Arsenal team, he's suffering, or he has suffered a little bit just from not being sharp in front of goal. Because like against, I'm remembering back to the Aston Villa game, which obviously we lost. He had two great chances um, against, I think it was against Brighton. He had like 0.9 XGI against West Ham. He had like 10 shots and over one XGI. So he's getting chances and he's getting opportunities. He's just lacking that kind of sharpness that, I think was perhaps unexpectedly characteristic of his performances last season. And there's, there's probably a certain amount of that that could be down to fatigue. And I'm pretty sure certainly for the first couple of months of the season, he was definitely carrying an injury. He never looked, he never finished a game looking a hundred percent comfortable. And then part of it is just down to the fact that Arsenal's system was slightly tweaked and we're a little bit more reserved. And I think part of that is, certainly the right wing being a little bit kind of more compact and not necessarily as uh, either on the touchline in possession or high up um, 
in terms of like in the attacking third as as the opposite flank. So yeah, I think it's a it's a combination of the fact that there's the overplayed narrative, which which has been true at times, and the system change. I think has just asked more of Saka in a in a kind of holistic sense, rather than necessarily right. You're going to be the one guy who just goes and gets goals and assists. Long way in the future. I'm looking at game week 28. It's a long way in the future. It's when City Liverpool play each other. Tottenham go to Villa. Chelsea and Newcastle play each other. This conversation is going to come round again. I don't know if we're going to quite have the. I was going to say cojones, but it's probably more just, I get your point, Mark. I don't want to lose him. Uh, the underline's fine recently, and it was a period where it didn't look good at all, by the way, for, for a number of games. And I would still want an offensive player from one of the best teams in the league. But he might also have to be a sacrifice, Mark, unfortunately. Well, I'm looking at his data compared to last season now, looking at game week, up to game week 21. And Okay, so he's played one more game this season than he had done by this stage last season, by game week 22. Everything is up this season. Everything, like every minutes per pass received, minutes per shot, minutes per chance created, penalty area touches. He's touched. He's had 150 touches in the box this year, this season. By game week 21 last season, he only had 106. So he's getting far more touches in the box than he had last season. He only he had seven goals, seven assists this time last year. He's got six and six at the moment. So he's not massively behind the output, and all the data is quite significantly ahead so minutes per xgi this season 126.2 this time last season it was 176.1 so his data is is far more impressive this season is is there an element though comparing the start of this season with the start of last season that now everybody knows how good arsenal are whereas this time last year there was well are they going to keep it going And, and is it fair to say adam that probably your opening half of last season in comparison to this one was, was far more chaotic in the sense like you you looked like you were going to steamroller teams. That's never really felt the case in almost any game this year. No, in games, like you say, I think that probably is a part of it. Games were much more open last season. I think now teams are probably, either whether you want to say it's working out, they're paying Arsenal more respect, however you want to spin the narrative. I think in general, Teams are much more cautious when they're playing Arsenal than they were certainly at the start of last season. Where it like sort of 12, well, a bit more than 12 months ago at the start of the last campaign, I think our games were much more open and we shouldn't necessarily be confused for Arsenal always dominating those games. Because I think about um, I think about the Fulham at home game, for example, where we ended up winning, but it was very, very scrappy. I think I think we ended up winning 2-1. There were a few games like that where we let the opposition too much into it, but we had kind of enough attacking fluidity and and threat that it kind of just, it didn't matter in the end. But maybe there is a, and I'm not sure how you would, how you would look this up where the opposition defences are sitting in terms of compared to last season. But it does feel like we're playing a lot more kind of deep blocks. The, the Aston Villa game sticks out so much in my mind, obviously, because they kind of have a... The narrative is that they have a very, very high line, but it is so striking when you play a team like that, just how much space we were getting in in behind. And in matches like that, you can see, oh, if we were better finishers, we would have probably scored four or five goals in that game. And that's probably the only example this season I can really think of that, where we've come up against a team outside of the kind of 
stereotypical, like bigger sides where we've come up against a team that hasn't like hasn't almost deferred the game state to us, if that if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a consequence of your improvement. And that's yeah, what yeah, I meant yeah, in terms of referring back to Bukaya Saka specifically. Um are you Gabriel owner, Adam? Yes, yes I am. Mark. Yeah. Full yeah. house, we've all got that. Is that Adam is, is that definitively the best Arsenal defender to be on? We know he's yellow flagged at the moment, but I think that's a a minor and not something to be particularly concerned about as it's over a week before you play Forest. Is that if people were wild carding now, obviously it's natural people are going to go to Gabriel rather than Saliba, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the I it feels weird even now to talk about rotation risk with Gabriel because it was it was so long ago where it seemed like he might have lost his place. Um but yeah no I think I think that's by by far and away the the easiest Arsenal defensive option to go for. But he's played, uh, other than the Palace game, he's obviously come off early at the weekend. He's played 90 minutes in every game, every Premier League game, bar one since game week three. So, I mean, he's so long ago, that narrative. And he got a rest against Sheffield United, and I think Saliba got the rest at West Ham in the League Cup, if I remember mm. correctly. So they did give them both a rest each. I wonder if later in the season, though, it's kind of thinking ahead here, if this narrative might come back around with Gabriel, subject to what the situation is with Timber, I've seen some conflicting reports, Adam, in terms of he might be training soon, maybe March, maybe won't play at all this season. What are you hearing at the moment? Because I know Clayton's got a theory that as and when he is available, that might well impact Gabriel again. Yeah, I, I heard you and Clayton talking about it um, sort of earlier in the week. Um, and yeah, I think there was a false optimism that kind of spread around Arsenal Twitter that, oh, he's going to be back in February. And I think with the severity of injury that he's had and the fact that he's new to the country, new to the club, new to the league, he's still very young. I don't think there's going to be any kind of rush to immediately put him in the team, especially because even if he was going to be back in February, which I don't think he will, likely by the time he would be back, Tomiyasu would probably be back from the Asia Cup. So there's a there's another kind of cover in that left-back, centre-back right back um hybrid defensive position so i honestly i would be surprised if he even made the bench before march and even then if we see him back before the end of the season i'd be very very happy to be honest i'm not expecting anything but to flip the conversation there is no threat to saliba longer term is there uh no absolutely not i take it mark if he was wildcarding right now gabriel would be i guess he'd be first choice arsenal player maybe even ahead of saka would he yeah, I guess it's the money, isn't it? It's like, does it matter, though? I mean, maybe if money, you know, if you're playing your wild card and you've got spare change, you go Saliba for the security. Um, but for me, it's like every not one can count at some point. So I would go Gabriel just for the value. I just want to mention, Adam, you you said a point about Saka dropping back. I just looked at the average position. In yesterday's game, that's the, the, the only in game week seven was Saka average position deeper than yesterday which is surprising isn't it in a 5-0 win Saka did come deep an awful lot so you've hit the nail on the head there game week seven he was deeper but this was this was the deepest average position he's had all season other than what that was that fixture game week seven? is that the Bournemouth game when he gives the penalties away game week seven we won that game 4-0 didn't we yeah is that the game when he gives the penalties away uh yeah that was the one where he gave it to Havertz to get his first 
And he gave one to Odegaard as well, didn't he? Is, is that what it is, Bournemouth? Yeah, that's what I felt it was when you said it. But that's interesting. So he got four nils and five nils in there and he's deeper. Yeah, is that low block? He drops deep, like you say, to, to orchestrate things a bit more? He's more likely to, like you said. Yeah, no, I think that's because of the kind of attacking front three. I think he is the best in kind of deeper kind of compact spaces. He's the best passer, probably, if you're looking at Martinelli and Jesus. Um, and he's probably the strongest as well on the ball. So he's often quite hard to shove off. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's what it would be down to. It, I think if we're looking at it from an FPL perspective, it would probably be a little bit hard to like use that as a way to navigate your way through kind mm. of buying and selling him. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's certainly an interesting point to, to raise. What's your plan, Adam? You, you holding on to him, do you think? And that's kind yeah. of dependent on blank stubbles and what's happening and stuff. But your idea would be to just hold him through, yeah? Yeah, I think it's... For most of the season, he has just ticked along very steadily with kind of consistent returns. And like Mark was saying, the underlying stats have, have been there for most of the season to where I think, especially with having that kind of price in your team, it's a bit of an a bit of an awkward one because I think I'd find it difficult to go back to him necessarily. Like if I'm trying to work in Son, Salah and Haaland, let's say, as the kind of big three and I had to sell Saka to a cheaper mid, I think I'd probably find it quite difficult to to go back there. Um, so yeah, he's... Adam, that's the second time in a couple of weeks you've forgotten about Kevin De Bruyne, mate. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. I much prefer to pretend he doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose that is a consideration. But then again... The price difference between those two, I'm not sure what KDB ended up dropping to. He's about 10.5 now. I think he's back to starting point, I think. Yeah, so I think it's still significant enough where you're going to need to make pretty significant surgery on your side if that is the swap that you're going to do. Is there a third Arsenal player in your squad at the moment? No, no, there is not. And there probably won't be one. No, it's, it's, it's no real case to, I think. It's because of we, we're getting into sort of blank double season now and you've got, I'd say the next three are challenging, right? Forest away, West Ham away and obviously that Liverpool game. And you've got a, quite a nice run, I think, game with 25 to 29 if obviously the Chelsea game goes ahead and you've got the big game at, at City in, in game week 30. I'd say, Mark, you, you on three Arsenal or two Arsenal at the moment? Two Arsenal, yeah. I guess, I mean, I you know, I did flirt with the idea of going double defence, but... That's never really looked like paying off for any team this season, has it? So I didn't go there in the end. I was tempted by Raya a few times, but was fortunate enough to avoid. Not that I've had any luck with keepers this season. I think we've all struggled to find the right keeper at the right time. Yeah, part um, of the problem with him now is obviously he won't play in game with 28, and it's like close enough in, in the future. It's like six games away. Yeah, I don't want to go down that route. How many uh, Forest in there at the moment, Mark? <laughs> um yeah no forest um have i had any forest at all this season no so you so, didn't have chris Wood's hat trick at newcastle then no. amazingly no i didn't and um, you've not suffered on matt turner like many of the rest of us no oh yeah of course i had turner didn't i <laughs> oh you have suffered you're welcome for him by the way you know could i just say i said this on one of the pods recently um adam i don't know if you heard it i was like Absolutely, Matt Turner is why Arsenal bought David Raya because if something happened to Ramsdale and Turner was in goal for you, there's no chance of winning the title, mate. Yeah, he's an interesting one. But he looks great for America, but he looks a bag of nerves, doesn't he, Mark? It's a fiasco. I mean, honestly, he's come out and admitted that he didn't like learn to play football with his feet until he was 16, so he didn't really kick a ball until he was 16. 
and it really shows. And obviously in this modern era of goalkeepers, it's one thing being poor with your feet, it's another thing being catastrophic, which is what I would describe him as. I mean, it, it literally, we're passing back to a competition winner with his feet. Like it, his, his ability with his feet is 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 Sunday Sunday league. Not even that, I wouldn't say, right? It's that poor. So it looks, it's so nerve-wracking when we're playing a team repressed. And I, I mean, like Arsenal are going to be wise to it. They, they're going to know exactly what um, weaknesses to exploit. They'll press in, they'll put it under pressure, they'll make sure that every pass that we... And we like to play that way. We like to rotate it, using the goalkeeper to help us do that. So it's not working in Nuno's method of playing. And um, But not only that, he's not looked convincing in other areas. I mean, like for me, that Tony goal, yes, it was sly what he did, moving the ball, but that's got to be on the keeper to take charge of that. And he didn't. He got that wall along. And the players in the wall, by the way, as well. So, look, someone in that wall must have seen that he moved the ball. Well, no, Yates was looking the other way. One of them must have been looking at him and going, he's moved that. You'd think. You'd think. But that is just shambolic for me. I mean, the keeper's got to... And and he scored in exactly the same bottom corner for more or less... In the the same same game. Yeah. So, like I said, I said on the pod last night, you get these keepers who research their penalty takers through all the data and where they put the ball with penalties. You've only got to look back 12 months in that situation where Tony put the ball. Surely Turner was wise to that and went, right, let's just rule that out com- completely. Put an extra man in the wall. Hudson Adoy was on the end doing nothing. It was absolute shambles. So there's that. He let one through his hands. He's, he's had a couple that he hasn't been punished for. He, he pulled Wissa down. That should have been a penalty where he miskicked it. Oh, yeah. That Rashford, was blind. How did you get away with that? Rashford. I mean, honestly, it's Keystone Cops back there sometimes. And it's like, we're going down if we don't check, get a new keeper. But th- there's an obvious question here, Mark. Why is Vlacodemos players not playing? Which is just equally know. as bad? Or Well... <laughs> Demos, um has this knack. He's got the lowest XG prevented in the, of any goalkeeper in the Premier League. So basically, we have yet to see him make a save that you could put down to that one of us couldn't make, basically. Like the only saves he's made are very, very routine ones. He's not yet saved a shot with a decent value XG, and everything seems to just be going past him. And he just seems to have a positional sense which puts him in a position where you can't blame him for the goal. But he's neither a factor in saving it. Was he not um, in the in goal for the Benfica team that got yes. to the Champions League quarterfinals last year? Am I, am yeah, I missing and that? And he's the Greek number one, and we, well, yeah, it's not huge, but our owner is Greek, and you've got to think that there's some. He's seen him before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Nuno knows Portuguese football, obviously. So why, you know, and the record in Benfica, you'd think that. So and he's far better with his feet, far better with his feet. So. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. We have got a calamitous situation in goal. And that, that unfortunately, every game now, post-match, if we're not talking about a mistake or an issue from the goalkeeper, it's very rare. Yeah, I mean, the Kulazewski goal is the one that runs in my mind all the time about Turner because it was just the, the perfect of Hibbs problems kicking and then basically yeah. a basic save that he should make afterwards as well. But I think there was Charlton header. Why wasn't he in Richarlison's face? At least making him making his presence make the striker think about you're going to get clattered if you go for this, and he didn't. He just stayed on his line and it went past him. It's like when a cross is coming across your six yard box, you've got to be a factor. You've got to at least be, like I say, in the corner of the eye of the striker so to distract him a bit. But he just stayed on his line, 
Mashaj just headed it past him. And that's bravery. I don't think he's brave enough as well. That's the other thing. I don't know if that's something Adam can confirm was an issue at Arsenal, but I've seen him as well with 50-50s. We had one at Newcastle where Callum Wilson was running through. Near Cato was running back with Wilson and he wanted Turner to come, but it would have meant Turner would have been diving at the feet of Wilson and Turner just stayed there and just stayed back and let in the end, we got away with it. I just think bravery is an issue. I think hesitancy on crosses because of that bravery. Kicking's an issue, and he's making mistakes on shots as well. He has made some saves, which is why he's in the team. But honestly, it's it's poor, both of them at the moment, and it's a disaster zone for us, that. Adam, did you think it'd go like this? Because I, I think as well as we're saying, Mark, most people thought it was a pretty shrewd signing. I think it was a weird signing to begin with for Arsenal in so far as the thing that even people who watch the MLS were saying about him is like great shot stopper, very, very good at that. But like Mark was saying, he's just terrible with the ball at his feet. And that is something that is so pivotal to the way that Arsenal play is having. It's the whole reason we signed David Raya essentially is because we need a keeper who is good with his feet. So for that not to be like an immediate red flag for Arsenal, is a bit of a confusing one. And then, uh, as Mark was saying, if that's a way that kind of Forrest want to use their goalkeeper as well, he he's just not going to, he's not going to fit into it. It almost reminds me, sort of the way Mark was saying, of, of modern goalkeepers have to be good with their feet, of sort of maybe 10 years or so ago where there was a era of like elite goalkeepers who were amazing at like shot stopping, great at claiming the ball, but then couldn't pass out from the back. And as teams kind of gradually evolved their style of play to use their keeper's feet a little bit more, they kind of fell by the wayside a little bit to the kind of younger generation of goalkeepers. And Turner just doesn't have that kind of elite level shot stopping to make up for the fact that, yeah, he's a, he's a bit bambi on ice when it comes to being on the feet. And the bravery point is, is a good one to make, Mark, because he's always struck me as a very very nice guy like he seems almost I hate to say almost too nice because I never want to say that about a player but he does seem kind of too reserved and not kind of not not gobby enough really to be a goalkeeper yeah and Henderson had that about him he had that ego he had that I own this area if you're going to come into this area you know I'm going to be in your face basically and and well as per arsenal's second goal on saturday mate well he was he, he was at fault there I, I, but he's a far better keeper than turner there's no question for me. what i saw um at forest he was he was exceptional for us and well, i very, think we know now why you didn't buy dean henderson yeah the injury yeah yeah well she's there right so that's well and also the money presumably right yeah the wages were crazy yeah but I mean, we've got to do something now i don't know where we go and Nuno saying, how, how can you justify to get another goal kit when you've got two there? Because it should be Nuno was a goalkeeper. Actually, you've got three, haven't you? Got Luton's playoff winning goalkeeper yeah, as well. Hennessy, Turner, and, and Hennessy. You've got four. Mark, stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, and I, I, I we we were speculating how long before Hennessy or Horvath get a chance. It's that bad. Oh wow. That is going to be a problem potentially moving forward then. Um, Chris Wood, I, I joked about. How far away is Aaron Yee, Mark? Has he got a chance of making this against Arsenal? No, I don't think he'll play in that no. day. I don't think he'll be. Uh, um, I think um, on the bench soon, 
probably for Bournemouth away or Newcastle at home. Probably be Newcastle at home, I would say. Is he when he's ready? Is he? Is it an auto in your opinion that he'd come back in forward? Now, yeah. I mean, he's doing well, Chris Wood. Isn't when he? fully fit, yes, I think so. Because I think I think that um, Wood will be a good plan B off the bench. Chris Wood doesn't deserve to be dropped, but I think that what Tywo offers is just that pace and power that Wood doesn't have. Um, but Chris Wood has been so good recently. He looked at the start of the season like he had an extra yard of pace, a bit of zip in him. But his touch has been better. His link play has been better. Nuno's got more out of him as well. Just an extra 10% from somewhere, like a few players that he's got that out of. So, um, yeah, I think we want to give Chris another few games and we can ease Tyro back in now rather than have to force him back in when perhaps he's not ready. Okay. I, I take it that would put you off enough, though, if you were looking for a forward at under five at the moment, if you're trying to shove some and find some money because of Aaron Yee, Wood would be a no-go to you, would it? I think Wood will play Arsenal, Bournemouth, probably start Newcastle. I think Tyra will be on the bench for that, but Wood against Newcastle will we'll start him probably. Yeah, I think um, that people will be thinking longer term, like, oh, I need him yeah. in the blanks and stuff like that. that that's the problem, isn't it? Mm. Um, any of your midfield worth considering at the moment, Mark? Obviously, Morgan Gibbs-White was a, a miss on Saturday, as was obviously Anthony Alanga. Yeah. Um, either of them worth considering at the moment, or is it just a steer clear? Uh, Gibbs-White should be back for Arsenal. We're expecting that. So, um, and we, yeah, Nuno's got, it's bizarre because we wouldn't expected Nuno to get more out of him than Cooper, but he's suddenly just transformed him, given him more freedom. He's much more involved. And I, he will be, you know, Arsenal will notice him. Um, he's going to be a factor in the game for sure, but I, I, he's not a, an FBL option at the moment. Elanga, when he comes back, definitely, I think, but we don't know how long that is. His talk, he could be out for a little, little bit more. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's in the void as well. Um, okay, before we finish, Mark, I should give you the, the right to say some words on another person who meant dear to you, mate, Mr. Steve Cooper, who it feels like a long time ago now with all the stuff that's been happening recently. When we last spoke was just before you played Everton, when Sean was on the pod with us, and you said you could see the writing was beginning to be on the wall. That performance against Everton was horrendous, mate. Um, did it get to the point where the change was necessary to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I did a post-match pod after the Fulham game after that, and that was even worse, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was not the way we wanted to say goodbye to Steve Cooper, for sure, because we, we really wanted him to succeed and we wanted him to... I, I think the way I saw it panning out was that he would keep us up this season and I think he would have gone in the summer because I think Maranakis would have looked to a manager to take us on and and um, yeah, maybe someone like Nuno, he feels like has been there before, got a, got a side into a top 10. I think Wolves finished consecutive seasons in seventh, got to Europa League, quarterfinals. Was it quarter? Might even been second. Seventh yeah, final. quarters, yeah. Yeah, so he did well with him. So I think you know, Nuno's CV is one of a manager that has proved himself at the at the next step up, right, which is what Mamanakis will be looking at at the time. So I think I think I felt that Steve would get this season and that's it. I hope that he would keep us up and then we would part ways on good terms in the summer. No hard feelings. Thank you for everything you've done. And we still feel that way. He's still in our hearts and God, you know, what he what he did for this club is incredible. It's just a shame it ended on such a low in terms of what he was getting from the team. I can't explain what was going on. I think there was pressure to put a different side out, to play a different way. Um, when I look back on the timeline of it, and perhaps that pressure came from the fact that we knew the FFP thing was coming as well and we needed to get higher up the table quicker. And I think, you know, Mamanakis was 
Didn't Ironically, it? when we spoke before that Everton pod, we said you probably could take the chance now, not thinking about this with the PSR. Yeah. 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 Would you expect him to do well if he rocked up, say, at Palace, for example? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his, his methods are, you know, I, I like him as a as a person. I like him as a manager. I think he maybe is somewhat limited. Now we've seen what Nuno has done. He's unlocked a little bit more freedom in our players and the mentality is a bit more positive, definitely, right? There's no question. I don't think it's manager bounce. I think it is just mentality that Nuno has instilled. So I do think that Cooper created a forest side that had the handbrake on, but it was effective. It, got, it kept us up and... I'd like to think that given a bit more time, he could have done that again, but I think he'd lost some, something had gone wrong with the dressing room with the players. Some faith had been lost somewhere. There was, you know, backroom incidents with some of the, some of the players I was led to believe. So I think that from what we saw on the pitch, a change had to happen. Um, so, but, you know, I, I look back on what he, he, he took us through and what he did for us and, 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 Thank him greatly for everything. So, yeah, no hard feelings. And Yeah, again, a little bit like the spenders. Well, if it wasn't for him, you certainly wouldn't be no. playing on, on this stage as, as well, mate. And listen, you beat Arsenal last year, Mark. So, prediction for next Tuesday? Yeah, I think if we had Taiwo, Alanga, Gibbs-White playing and we had our AFCON centre-backs back, I think that we would give it a really good go. And we might even get a point, but none of those things are true. We'll have Gibbs White on the pitch. But if you're Arteta and you're looking at our frailties, it, it, you know, it, I would be very surprised if Arsenal aren't clever enough and don't have the abilities to exploit that. So I don't I don't see us getting anything out of the game. I you, think we'll give it a good go. I think we'll score, but I think we'll we'll lose the game. You also beat them the time they turned up before, mate, in an FA Cup third round match. And I, I presume the crowd are going to make this feel like an oh. FA Cup game. Yeah, the atmosphere will be great. And, you know, it depends on who gets the first goal. Um, we'll we'll be attacking. We'll be far more front foot than we would be under Cooper, I think. Um, I don't think he'll play three at the back. I think he'll play. He'll keep with a flat back four. Um, and um, we'll, we'll certainly give it a go. And Chris Wood will hopefully get some chances to continue his form. But we're, we're so frail at the back. I think, I think that Arsenal... Although they've struggled to score goals in recent weeks, they didn't against Palace, and I don't think they're going to against Forest either. So, sack of captain then. Oh, wait, Adam. Kevin De Bruyne's playing Burnley at home, mate. Um, go on, Adam. Give us your prediction, mate. Um, I think it'll be tight. I think that maybe it's just sort of a narrative, but the fact that it's midweek makes me a little bit more cautious. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I think... I'd go two. You've got Arsenal. the weekend off as helpful, though. Yeah, in, we've got, in terms of the Premier League fixture. Yeah, we've got a nice break, but I think it'll be tight, and I think Forest will make it very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, a very close two-one, I think, to Arsenal. Yeah, the absence of Bolly, Aina, Aurea, Niakate, Felipe, probably Sangare, Kayate. It's a bit um, much in terms of protection of the team, and you lose another one now as well, Mark. Because Nuno Tavares obviously can't play against parent yeah. club Arsenal. Yeah. So that's, a, that's another one down. I think I'm more disappointed well. about that. Yeah, well, I was setting you up, Adam. But yeah. Nuno <laughs> was... against Saka. Well, I don't fancy that. I mean, no, Toflo's a better defender and safer with the ball as well. I mean, he's done all right, Nuno. You know, he gives you a bit of pace and power going forward, which I think was why he was in the side. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we, we have enough threat to score more than one goal. And I think we're going to concede three. 
So I'm going 3 1 Arsenal. Yeah, I'm inclined to think similar. I agree. I think probably will score, but I think Arsenal will will score more, to be honest. Thank you both, gents. Uh, Mark, anything you want to plug before you finish? There's obviously yes to that. Yeah, just just obviously FBL Black Box. Um, we'll be back this week. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be on this week. I think it's going to be as and Andy because I've got a work thing that I've, I've and it might keep me out on Wednesday. But I'm doing um, Forest Focus as well. I'm doing them regularly, doing post match and stuff. So doing that pod now. So um, yeah, look out for me on those two. Good stuff, thank you, mate. Adam, anything for yourself, mate? No, no, no. Nothing. Bullshit. Stop it, mate. <laughs> well, All right, plug plug Clayton's podcast. Oh, I can plug the plug. Or is it AFC Bite Size? Pod? You guessed it on it. There's no way I'm going on it. Yes, it is the AFC Bite Size pod. They do post-match reviews uh, and sort of pre-match previews. They're very good. I really enjoy it. So uh, Clayton yeah. and Nima. Guests are a bit questionable, but yeah. Oh, they have one cracking guest on one time. <laughs> I forget his name, but he was good. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks so much, gents. Good luck to both of you. Sid will be back with me tomorrow to discuss Captain and Thomas Suchek and not Diogo Jota. We do have another clash of correspondence for you later this week. Uh, Bradley Park and Gary Robinson will be joining me on Thursday to preview Wolves versus Manchester United. Uh, just leaves me to say thanks again so much to Mark and to Adam. Good luck, gents. Cue music, please. Man, shout. Sports Social Podcast Network.